Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Valley, not even the valley, through the shadow of the valley, he's present with us. And that's the assurance that we have in our, our Savior who gave his life for us. And Lisa, I didn't know you sang to boot. Think about that. She types and she answers phone calls and does all kinds of stuff. And so I thank God for that. Thank God for the presence to be with you uh, this morning to be here as your interim pastor. Uh, I thank God for that opportunity and for the chance to be here with you uh, to serve together as we seek to reach out in this community to make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ and all that we say and all that we do, that the world would know that Jesus Christ is Lord of our hearts. Uh, that's kind of what we, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning, about the message of what it means to be believers and what Christ has called us to, but we're called to be devoted to one another. And we see what goes on in the church uh, in that situation. Uh, in Acts, if you have your Bibles, it will be in Acts 2, uh, verses 42 through 47. Uh, and we did a part of that. We did a part of 42 uh, last week, but uh, I think it uh, requires that we, we talk about it just a little bit more this morning. This is what uh, we see Luke writing to the church, specifically to a man named Theophilus. He says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. <clears throat> Excuse me. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is the message of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ and through his church. That is to be the picture of who we are as believers. That's an image of what this message is to be in our hearts. And my prayer that each of us would evaluate where we are as individuals first and then as this church body. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you again for this day and for this opportunity. We thank you, Father, for what it means to have a chance to know you personally. Uh, for your son has died on Calvary's cross for my sins and the sins of everyone in this room and everyone outside this building. Uh, Father, that we might know you, but more importantly, that we might not only know you, not only be hearers of the word only, but Father, that we would be doers of the word and that we would be living that faith that you've shared with us and sharing that message with the word, world. We thank you for that. And we pray, Father, that we would examine our hearts even now to see how we stand before you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, when Karen and I were in another church, our daughter was, she may be listening to this, so I love you, Ann, forgive me, uh, but uh, any, anyhow, she was probably five or six, and we had a room in this building, and it was called the bride's room, and it was an interior room. It was also the place where you went if there was a big storm coming through, because it was a walled room that had nothing but mirrors on the wall. 
Every six-year-old girl dreamt of being in that room because it was the bride's room. And so Anne and her friend got in there and the doorknob fell off. That's a whole different story, all right? Uh, I won't tell you now. I'll tell you that story sometime else. But, but the doorknob fell off, and we got them out eventually, but they went in there for that reason. They wanted to imagine what they would look like, what they would be, and how the world would see them as brides. That's something you and I ought to be about every day of our lives, that we're living in Christ in our personal relationship with him and wondering, what do we look like to the world? If you haven't figured it out yet, Acts 2, verse 42 through 47, is a snapshot of who we are supposed to be, what you and I should look like, what the body of Christ should look like to the world of which we're a part. We are to be Christ's bride. We are to be his radiant bride. John talks about that extensively uh, in his Revelation. Revelation 19.7. Listen to what he says. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Are you ready for the coming of the groom? Are you ready for God's presence in your life today face to face? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves individually first, and then as the body of Christ. Are we doing what Christ would have us do? Are we being the, the bride of Christ in such a way that the world looks at us? We're going to hear this in just a second. I'm, I'll tell you the word. The word is the word all. We'll see that. Now, I say that incorrectly because I am from Tennessee. Thank you very much, Nick. Uh, but, but the word is A-W-E, all. Uh, and so if you can't understand that, that's how it's spelled. But you know what that word means? That word means fear. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Does that seem kind of strange that that would be where the way the world would look at us? But we'll get an explanation uh, from Luke uh, and his explanation of what God would have us understand of how we're to live our lives later on. But that's the way the world ought to see us as bride. That's what you see. What do people see or say when they see the bride coming down uh, the aisle at the church. Aww, aww. Different word, same, same idea. You got it? That she's beautiful. She's what she's supposed to be. Listen to what he says in Revelation 21 2. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. We are called to be pre prepared for the groom. Our lives are to be lived in such a way that the world sees us as that bride anticipating the second coming of the groom who is ours, the Savior who is ours, that our lives are lived in such a way that they are in awe of who we are and what we're doing. There's three things we see. A bride should be devoted. A bride should be ready to share. A bride should be loving. First thing we're going to see is the church in Jerusalem they were devoted to one another. They were devoted in their lives and everything they said and did to one another in their relationship. Look at verse 42, Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Uh, I, I wasn't going to do this, I will. There's a song that the Everly Brothers, most of you are not old enough in this room to know who the Everly Brothers were. 
All right? But they sang a song, and I'm going to give you a couple of you. I'm going to look and see who knows this. A couple of you, a couple of lines of a refrain of the song that they sang. Through the years, my love will grow. Like a river, it will flow. It can't die because I'm so devoted to you. That's what we see being lived out in the church in Jerusalem. A devotion to one another. Because if I'm not a believer, I can't see the living presence of God any other way than through your life. That you are the best example of what it means to be a Christian of anyone I know. And so I look at you and I judge what all Christians are about and how they're living their lives by your model. That's kind of a terrifying thing, isn't it? Have you thought of that? Does that word awe fit now? That maybe we ought to be understanding that we are that example that people are looking to. We are that example that people are longing for to find that message of Christ lived out in our lives that they might see us in such a way that we would be an example for them to follow. I thank God that Paul has the strength to say, do what I do, act as I act. I have a hard time doing that because sometimes I don't do a very good job. To tell you the truth, sometimes Paul kind of messed up too. But he speaks to us and says, he did that countless times to different churches. You follow my example. Are you ready to say that to someone this morning? I'm talking about right now. If somebody walked in this room and said, I need you to tell me about what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? Are you ready to show and demonstrate that to them? That's the thing that we see being lived out in the church in Jerusalem at that time. In a world that's full of changes, in a world that changes every other day, uh, the decisions that we make, the things that we think are supposed to be right become wrong, and the things that are wrong become right. We have one example to follow. And God bless his soul, it's not Paul. It is the one who gave his life for us. And that's the message that Luke is trying to share with Theophilus, and he has shared it now for the last over 2,000 years, of what it means for us to be believers. It's not about simply showing up here and patting one another on the back on a Sunday morning. It's not about all the things that we do. It's about telling others and showing others of the love of Jesus Christ through our lives. That is the message that is laid out for us in that passage, in that 42nd verse. One thing, that there's a devotion that is in our lives, a devotion to one another. The word, word literally means, in the Greek, it means continuing steadfastly. Do you understand that principle? Uh, devotion, Webster's talks about it as being uh, simply that idea to consecrate or sanctify something. But you know, those words are kind of hard for us to understand, aren't they? But I understand what it means to continue steadfastly. We, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Highs, lows. There you go. Lisa sang to us about that just a minute ago. Did you hear that? Highs, lows. God is present with us in all of those things. And the world is looking to us, and how do they see him being lived out in our lives? We understand the high things. We think, oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, boy, everybody wants to be happy all the time. How many of you in this room, don't raise your hand, are happy all the time? 
How many of you never have a care in the world? How many of you have never had a difficulty that you've had to go through, that you're facing right this very minute? Christ gives us that knowledge that his presence is with us always. And there's nothing, he tells us that because he quotes God's word in the message. He says, nothing will ever separate you from me. Paul says it, right? Neither height, depth, principalities, things present, things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. And in that hope, you and I are called to live our lives that the world might see in us the living hope of Jesus Christ being lived and walked out in our lives. So how do we do that? How do we demonstrate that? He tells us real quickly, we're going to go through these. The first thing is we have a devotion to the, we have a devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the truth of God's Word. Acts 20, 35. This is what we see there. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Who's talking there? Paul is talking there. More blessed to, to give than to receive. We'll talk about giving and receiving here in just a second too. But the message behind that is Paul gives knowledge and acknowledgement to Jesus Christ as being the one that shared that message first. That he is the reason that we live this way. He's the reason that we do the things that we do. And so we need to be spending time in God's Word. Every one of us who are here this morning who are believers. That it's the instruction book. I heard that this morning also. It's the instruction book that shows us and tells us how we are to live. If you find that the only time you open your Bible is in this room, uh, come talk to me or talk to somebody else after the service, one of the deacons. And see that that truth ought to be lived in your life every day. Take time to have a quiet time with God where you're the one that's speaking with him. Nobody else around to impress. Nobody else around to hear what you say. But that you're talking to God as he speaks with you through his word. And that is what we see them do. They are devoted. Do you hear that? They are devoted. Continually, steadfastly devoted to that relationship they have and what they want is they want more they want more of God's word and so they spend time in that relationship learning more hearing more experiencing more God calls us to spend time in God's word he also calls us <clears throat> excuse me to give account of ourselves or that personal relationship we have with him uh, they gave an account of Jesus ministry we see that again therefore it's necessary look at Acts 1 21 Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of you now who has been with us uh, the whole time that Jesus is Lord, went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. Do you understand what's going on there? This is not Paul, it's Peter, but the message is pretty simple. One of them is gone. One of the twelve is gone now. We know that's Judas. Any, I'm going to see. This is a question. Anybody know who came? Matthias. Matthias was chosen out among them. But did you hear what they said? The message that, that the disciples shared, the, the apostles shared this message, we want somebody who was here from the beginning. Someone who has seen, who has heard, and experienced that relationship with Jesus Christ that is personal. There are a lot of times in our lives there's a lot of times in my life where I, re I rely on my abilities 
and I trust myself to take care of a situation, you know where that usually gets me? That usually gets me in trouble. There's a call that we see the disciples relying on, and is that is their impersonal, their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You remember what happened? The one thing that the folks that were about to tear John and Peter apart when they went before the Sanhedrin, they were uneducated. There you go, that's me. They were ignorant. There, that's another word to use in my case. Men. But there was one thing that was a key that they could say that they knew that made these men set apart from everybody else. They were with Jesus. Does your life give that testimony every day? When somebody looks at you, do they go, yeah, that guy right there, that lady right there, that woman, that, that young person, that student right there is demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ every day. I recognize they've been with Jesus. That is the very nature that is to be ours. And that's what devotion is about, that when people see us, they recognize us. Karen and I have almost been married 50 years. We are referred to as Karen and Bob. It's like one person. You know what? Almost 50 years ago, Bob Wiley made us that. He said, you are now husband and wife. And he introduced us as Bob and Karen Fulkerson. There's a message that God does with us in Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we do the same thing. What do we become? We become one in him. And that is the truth of that relationship. That is why they chose Matthias, because he knew, he saw, he experienced all those things the other apostles had. And we are to do the same thing in our lives, that we are to know and understand that relationship that is ours because of the hope that we have in him, because of the life that is ours, and because of the acknowledgement of the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. Are you living that faith? Do you know that faith? They also share the truth of that personal encounter. Paul did it. We won't read that whole passage, but if you have your Bibles, this is a good passage to mark. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, uh, Paul explains, well, listen to what he says. I'll do it real quickly. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Do you know what that is? Anybody know what that is in the Scripture? That is the, that's the good news. Do you hear it? Jesus didn't simply die. What happened? He rose from the dead. And where is he right now? What is he doing right now? He's, is he fishing? Is he riding his bicycle? Is he spending time with his family members? No. You know what he's doing right this very minute? He is interceding for every one of us who are here or believers today. And he's talking to God right now about what's going on in your life and my life. And he is interceding for us because of his love for us. That's the very nature of the relationship, that personal relationship. We won't read that whole passage. You see it. It's there. And he shared that message because he wanted those people to know this is what it's about, to have that kind of personal relationship 
with a living God because that is where we are and that is where our hope is in a living Savior, not in someone, a great teacher, not in someone who came, lived, and died and left a good message, but in a Savior who has prepared the way for you and for me to have eternal life with the Father that can never be taken from us, can never be removed from us. It is a hope that is stored for us in Him, in His truth, in His life. The disciples were devoted to that relationship. They were devoted to sharing themselves that. They're also devoted to what fellowship was all about. Now, most, most important, let, let, me, let me do this. We, I've thought about Sunday school. I just about shared this. Mike, where are you? I don't know where you are, but I know you're in here. I saw you just a second ago. So how do you do, how do you deal with this when somebody comes and asks you about what it means to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Look at 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But then how do we do this? With gentleness and respect. Like you were talking to us about that this morning, weren't you? That in our lives, we are to reach and share with other people the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ, that relationship that will never be broken, that hope that is always ours, and that in that fellowship that is ours in Him, we live our lives in such a way that the world sees and knows that Jesus Christ is real to us. Real quickly, fellowship, you understand the message of that. Actually, that's a good word for you to know. It comes from the Greek word this, we're back again. We're back for if you're looking for it. Uh, no, we've got to get back in second, in uh, second chapter of Acts, and this is, verse, this is still just verse 42. We're going to make it. Don't worry about that. I'll have to look and see. We're going to make it. The message is pretty simple. In their lives, they had fellowship with one another. That is the, basically the Greek word koinos. And you know what it means? It fits me real well. It just means common. I'm about as common as you can ever hope to find. Just common. Just regular people. Remember what we talked about with the leaders when they looked at John and they looked at Peter and they recognized them as what? Common people. Most of us in this room are just common people. But there's something that makes us uncommon. What is that? It is the person of Jesus Christ living in our lives. That's what made them uncommon. When they met in the courts of the Gentiles, when they were there, when they were in the court of the Gentiles, they were meeting with all the other Jews who were not believers. We are common, but the commonality that is ours is the personal relationship we have in Jesus Christ and the love that he has for us. As a matter of fact, he tells us that in John 13. He tells us about what it means for us to demonstrate that commonality. How will men know that you're my disciples? By the love you have for one another. By the love that you share with one another in such a way that they want this. And that's what Jesus is trying, that's what Luke is being used to, to share uh, in this gospel message. Is this, these are the things that make you set apart. That show the world that there is something different in you. They also broke bread together. Uh, and I would tell you this, this is an ordinary meal. We went to the Canton Inn Wednesday. How, don't, I won't ask you to raise your hand. But I bet you a bunch of you have been there because we had about the whole church there, I think, that day. You know what? This is not, when, when we read this passage, this is not 
the breaking of bread like we talked about even last week. It can be either. It can be the breaking of the bread or it can be breaking of bread in home. When you have somebody that you want to get to really talk with, what do you want? There, I, I see some head shaking before I even say, what do you do? You know what? Let's go out. Let's have a meal. What did Jesus do with Zacchaeus? He told him to come down. Where did he tell him he wanted to go? To your house. We could sing that, right? We won't do that, right? I'm going for I'm going to your house today, right? Pretty quick. That's how it goes. For I'm going to your house. I love the way that ends, remember? I'm going to your house to stay. There's a change that came in Zacchaeus' life. Why? Because he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And he broke bread with him. We need to do more of that as a church. We need to do more of that as individuals. If there are lost people that you know that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know what? Invite them to come over and eat with us tonight. Come see me. Let's go out to eat. Let's break bread together. Because that is something that is very personal. We even see that at the end of Luke's message. Remember what happened with Cleopas? Does that name familiar to you? We see him and another guy. Excuse, we see he and another guy. We see him. Uh, there you go. We see they're walking. They're going back to Emmaus. And where are they? They are downcast. They are defeated. And this guy comes up and begins to talk to them about the fulfillment of the gospel, about how God has planned since the beginning of time for what they're talking about. And they even ask him before, where have you been living under a rock? You don't know about what's going on? Do you remember how it was that they came to see Jesus? They sat down at the table and they began to break bread together. And immediately their eyes were open. That would be my prayer for Grace Baptist Church, that our eyes would be open to the lostness of the world around us. Jesus talked to his disciples about that. As those people, I believe, coming out of that Samaritan village, he says what? The, wheel, the, the fields are white unto harvest. How many lost people do you think live within a mile radius of Grace Baptist Church? Don't give me an answer because you already know in your heart. Are there thousands are there tens of thousands? And the answer to that is yes. Who's responsible to share that message of hope with them? We are. You and I are called to share that message of Jesus Christ with the people who don't know it. And that's what we see the church doing. The church is about breaking bread with them, sharing the message of God's love to them, being there for them. And we see finally they were devoted to prayer we're going to go to Paul again. Philippians chapter 4, 4. Philippians 4, 4. We used to sing this song. I bet you, where is he? There's Robert. Robert used to sing this, didn't you? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. But he goes on. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will be <coughs> guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who are you praying for right now? Who is your one? Who is your lost one? Who is it that doesn't know Jesus Christ that you're praying for right now? Have you, have you taken time to invite them over to talk with you? Have you invited them out to eat? 
Have you done something to reach them for Christ's sake? And then have you done more than simply say, come, come to church with me? Because I want the preacher or I want one of the deacons or the Sunday school teacher to tell you about Jesus. Remember what we read in 1 Peter 3, 15 just a minute ago? Every believer in this room has the responsibility to be ready to give the answer for why you have the hope that you claim to have. Do you know that? Do you experience that? They did in the church in Jerusalem. And it made a difference in the world. There were miraculous signs. There was awe, miraculous signs. Things were going on. And we see tons of people coming to know Jesus Christ through their lives. Who's come to see Jesus through your life? Who's coming to know Jesus through your life? We see the message is pretty clear, a message of what we're to be. We're to be devoted to that message of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the message that he shares with each of us. Secondly, they couldn't wait to share with one another. Look at verse 44 and 45 in Acts 2. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone who had any need. Sharing isn't something that comes naturally for us. Our daughter was teaching our two, and now they're nine-year-old. If they, if they hear this, then they're going to be upset with me. Uh, but, but when they were probably two or three, uh, Anne was trying to teach them what it means to share. And she was talking about the word share. And as she talked about it, the boys were playing. And one of the boys walked up, and she thought, I'm going to be so proud of him because he's going to share with his brother. And he said this word, take. And he took what his brother had for his own. Now, where do you stand on that continuum? Are you a giver? Now, think about this. Sometimes I look at people this way and think about it because I do it myself, with myself all the time. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Now, I don't want you to start thinking about people in the congregation this morning, but we know a lot of people that are takers, right? They're ready. You've got something to give. They're ready to take it. What happens with this group? They're about sharing the message of God's love that has been implanted in their lives. And they do it liberally. They do it with everything they have. It's not just about their pocketbook. It's about their lives, and they share everything with those people who are a part of them because that's what's going on. Now, remember, this is the court of the Gentiles. Anybody can be there. Jews can be there. Women can kind of be there. They have to sit on the outside, all right? But there are people that are watching them every day who are not believers, and what do they see? They see them sharing with one another. They recognize them reaching out to somebody that's fallen. They recognize what they are about and how they live their lives. That we don't leave people behind. Okay, Karen, I'm sorry. I'm using an illustration I wasn't going to use here, but I'm going to use it. Years ago when we were in Texas, there was a thing on special blessings group that was doing a race. They had a, uh, it was before they even started doing the special Olympics, uh, Olympics. This has been that long ago. They had one of the stations in Dallas was doing it. And they had a group of special needs people who were there gathered in uh, SMU's uh, football stadium. And they were all lined up to take the race. 
The gun goes off, and boom, there were about 50 of them in that group that were running the 100-yard dash, and they all took off. And in the process, about 10 yards from the starting line, one guy fell. You know what happened with that group? Every one of them stopped, went, helped that man up, and then they all began running again. That's what it means to share. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, it is not about winning. We have already won. The victory is already ours. And we, as the church, run this race how? Together. And when one of us falls, we don't kick him to get up, get up, you're not doing your job. What do we do? We embrace them. We draw them back. We try to share with them the assurance of God's love for them. That's what we see being lived out in those courts, that court of the Gentiles in Jerusalem. A church that's loving, sharing everything they have, and nobody has anything that they claim as their own because there's a recognition that everything they have has been given to them by God himself. Paul is writing the church in Corinth in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and he writes to them this message about another church. I'm going to tell you something real quick. Here's a good rule of thumb for you. You see somebody, somebody's child do something good, you talk to somebody else about that, and you tell them, hey, you tell, you tell Mary and John what a good job Billy did the other day. Not too many Billies around today. You do that with anybody, and you know what will happen? They'll hear back about it, and they'll hear, you know, Dave said this about you. What normally happens when you hear those words? It's something negative. Now, Dave, I'm not talking about you saying anything negative about anybody. That's not what I'm saying, but what happens is what happens when we say something positive about something? When Robert said, this is what, oh man, I'm going to tell you, what a blessing that was. I saw, it gets back to them and they hear that. That's a way that we live this relationship out, that the world sees and knows that we're genuinely concerned about people who are around us and that we're willing to share, that we open our hearts, our lives. It's more than your billfold. It's about everything that you have. Because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. What is the greatest commandment, Jesus was asked? Pretty simple, isn't it? What's the greatest commandment? Hear, O Israel. That's how it begins. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then Jesus comes in and adds a second part to that, doesn't he? And the second's like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Want to make a difference in somebody's life? You live that out. You take your life and live it. Expose them to the love of Jesus Christ through your heart because that is what he has done for us. That's what it means for us to share. We share the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives. We share the good news of how he's changed us. It's not about the fact that we lived a terrible life. We lived a terrible life before we knew him, but we were lost in that life. And in Jesus Christ, we have salvation. They were devoted to living out God's truth 
in the person of Jesus Christ. They were devoted to sharing with one another. And finally, they were genuinely loving one another. Look at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. That's the first part of verse 47. They worshiped together and they ate together. A literal translation of that idea of what they were about as they met together is this. From day to day, they were with one mind in the temple court. You know what that means? Whose mind? Let the mind of Christ dwell in you. Does that sound familiar to you? That is the nature that is to be ours. What happens when the mind of Christ lives in your life? Then you see people how? Through your eyes? No, you see people through Christ's eyes. It changes our perspective. It changes our dynamic. It changes everything about us because of that message that Christ has put in us. We see people the way Christ sees people. And I thank God for that. I thank God for the fact that he sees me as someone who is worthy of his love. Because I know I'm not. And yet in spite of that, he still loves me. He demonstrates his love for us in this. This. What? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You want to know who the ungodly is? Look up in your Webster's when you get home. Google this. Google the word ungodly and it'll say C. Bob Fulkerson. Without Jesus Christ, that is my nature. That's who I am. It is all about me, everything about me. But in Jesus Christ, I can gladly, boldly say that I've given my life to him. And in that relationship, my life is his life. And any good thing you see in me is him. The rest of it is all Bob. Forgive me for that, Lord. Church, forgive me for that. But in Jesus Christ, we have a new life. And we're called not to live that old life any longer to leave it behind, not to have that be a part of who we are, that in everything that we do, we're living that new life, that resurrected life in what we say, in what we do, a message that's changed us. And it changed those people. Look at verse 46 in Acts 2. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Those households made a difference. And the point was, in doing so, they lived their lives that they shared that message of Christ's love with other people. Uh, it was the way they did. It was the life they lived every place they went because the love of Jesus Christ was in their hearts. And there's John 13, 34 again in it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your minds and strength. And the second is like this, love your neighbors as yourself. It's a pretty obvious message of what you and I are to be about. And the question is, is how do we look this morning? How do you and I look in our lives? Two little girls, and I would tell you they were locked in that room. Two little girls locked in a room by themselves. Not being able to see the mirror. But a message came to them. I'll tell you this story. I'm sorry, let me look. I'm okay. Our son Matt who was about three years older than these girls. I found him. And I said, Matt, I need you to help me. The girls are locked in the room. 
and they can't get out. And the light's out. And he said, how are we going to do that, Dad? And I said, just come with me. And so we went to the room that was opposite of this room. And there was a false ceiling. And I lifted up that false ceiling, and I got on a ladder, and I went to the top of that. And I said, okay, Matt, I need you to help me. Told the girls to get out of the way. I took Matt by the hands, and I lowered him down. And he said, now what, Dad? And he said, I'm going to let you go. And he said, but I can't see the floor, Dad. And I said, you're going to find it in just a minute. <laughs> and I let, I, his, mother, his mother was not around at the time. And I let him go, and I can still hear those little feet hit the floor. Flap. But you know what happened? He turned the light on, and he opened the door from the inside, and the difference was made. You can do that to someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But Lord, I don't know how. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. I'm not very good at this. Just turn loose. Just turn loose and trust him. Trust him this morning. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the opportunity to make that choice in your life, to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today is the day for you to say, you know what? I know that there's a need that we have in this church that I can meet, and I'm here to provide my life, my all, because I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and all my strength, and God, I'm ready to give it to you today. Don't hold back. Who are you devoted to? Are you devoted to yourself? Are you devoted to the Lord who gave his life for you? I thank God that he was not. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us. We thank you for the salvation that is afforded us through Jesus Christ alone. And we take this time right now as an opportunity to come to you and say, uh, change my life, Lord. You change my heart. You make, help me to understand what you'd have me do, and I'm going to trust you with everything I have. I may not know where I'm going. I'm just like Abram. I may not know where I'm going. I don't know the way. I don't even know where it is, but I'm going to follow you, and I know that you'll be with me forever. Help us, Father, to take that hope that Christ brings and to see that life that he offers us through his death and make it our own. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.